Welcome to the Gain Momentum Podcast, focusing on timeless lessons from global industry leaders about how to grow and scale a business in hospitality, travel, food service, and technology. I'm Jason Manis here with my co-host, Adam Mogolansky. How are you, Adam? Doing great. Good. Our guest today is Anne Bleeker, Gain Advisor, Co-Founder, and Managing Director of into consulting a business communications agency. So Adam, why don't you take it away? And we structure this podcast around four key questions for any business that wants to scale and learn from your expertise and avoid some pitfalls along the way. So we're going to start right with the, in with the fir- first question, which is when it comes to scaling a business, what is the single piece of advice you would give entrepreneurs as a professional in hospitality? Thanks, Adam. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll look at this question from a communications perspective with my comms hat on. I'd say you have to really consider communications early. And for many, that means earlier than they do today. And that's both internal as well as external communications. I suggest don't wait until you really need it. Don't wait until you need a bio written, you need an investment deck um, developed or a new partnership being announced in the press. Start early on, um, really build, build momentum, no pun intended there. Um, but over time, these things do take time. You want to start early. You want to build it up strategically. Um, you want to feed your content so that once you need it, you have it all ready to go. You have to build that digital presence. Similarly, for internal comms, you can never start too early. And I even talk to startups about starting internal comms right when they're even just the two founders um, or you know a single founder and, and a number of um, a number of employees. Because once you get too big, um, you might not have the tools and the channels to actually um, manage that culture in, when you're in that phase of growth. So yeah, consider it early is going to be my number one piece of advice. Do you, do you see a lot of startups in hospitality that that hold off on this and then but they don't know where to start they don't know where to go it's like where a are they hesitant to create their own press release for example oh i, I gotta have somebody write it or and or b where do i put this thing yeah no absolutely i think there's a couple of factors that are really making making our organizations hesitant it might be that they don't they don't know where to start so they don't know exactly know what's what's required but it also is sometimes pushing it off because they just don't really have the right tools internally to do it. And there might not be budgets to engage professional in, in getting this done. So it can, you could do this as little building blocks like Lego. If you start with little bits on thought leadership, start by getting your bios right, start by getting your website up and running. So you don't have to do everything at the same time. That's why I say consider it really early. So you have the time to build this up over time. It's a sustained effort rather than, than an instantaneous you know, campaign that you do once and then you never look back at. But you're right. And I think this is a, um, a lot of founders might, especially in hospitality technology where I see it, is they're very focused on their product and getting that to market, but they're not necessarily communicators. Just because you know you have a product doesn't necessarily mean you're a confidence communicator. And that's why I say seek help early. On that note, companies, they do prioritize product and then probably sales and marketing. How do you convince them to prioritize communications? It's hard. Let me, let me tell you that. Um, but I always say that PR is not a standalone function. We're really here to help drive business. So when I ever approach anyone in hospitality technology, whether it's looking on, you know, developing and launching a product, I'd say, how can communication support the launch of your product? How can it support market entry into different, different, different geographies that you're looking at? Or maybe reaching different target audience that are not initially within the founders network. 
So what I do is, is really try and link it back to business and organizational strategy. What is it that you want to need? What do you need to do? Do you need to launch? Do you need to you know, um, drive leads through your website? And make it quite technical, but then link it back to the strategic goals and see how communications can support them in their business rather than looking at it. You know, just get you know, a bunch of noise out there to, to get you well known. That's not what this is about. It really is about driving business and doing that in a sustained way. Well, when we're talking about goals, uh, we're also talking about KPIs as well. And companies these days, it's data everything, but we almost have too much data. Um, so what KPIs would you look at from a communications perspective to evaluate success and growth? There are a number of things that you can do. Um, and it really, again, it really depends on the type of business that you are and where you are in the maturity of that business. So it will be very different for a startup as it will be for a scale-up or what it will be for a corporate organization. Um, some of the key things to look at, if you're looking to generate leads, is to track those leads. So if you're looking at um, using LinkedIn as a vehicle to generate leads for your website, you could track directly what the traffic is um, to specific pages or to a specific blog post or to a specific press release that you've put out. So that is one way to really link it back. That's still quite tactical. Um, we work with organizations that we're looking at. We wanted to be we wanted to be proactively approached by specific partners or sponsors. That was their goal. And then again, it's something that you can count um, kind of literally afterwards after you've done a sustained effort on on getting content out. This is how many proactive approaches have we had for potential partnerships and sponsorships. Um, if we're looking specifically at media um, and public relations, then reach is a really, really good way of looking, you know, how far your content goes, whether that's LinkedIn reach, um, eyeballs on the content that you're that you're generating. And then within that, I would say specifically, is looking at the right titles. We have a lot of people that will still say, I got X number of clippings for you. To me, that doesn't mean anything. If those clippings are all in magazines or portals that, you know, your target audience doesn't read or doesn't access, you know, what's the value of that? But yeah, I'd rather you have one blog post that gets read by two or three people that are key to the decision-making for a product that you're looking to launch or a magazine that your stakeholders read, even if it's just one piece of coverage. Um, that's all that matters. So reach uh, visibility in the right titles, the right publications that fit your audience. And then looking at kind of like more tactical, like lead generation, or uh, perhaps it is that you put content out because you're trying to get a speaking engagement on a specific topic at a specific conference. If that's your goal and you're able to achieve that by, you know, getting getting some PR out there, um, then I would say that's one way to track it. I agree with all that. And it's, I think you got to be broad. I think you have to force yourself to, to look broadly and then to dive down in deep, like yeah. engagement on a LinkedIn post, for example. You yeah. Know, who's engaging with you? Like you said, exactly. is it the right exactly. titles, the right people? Like, is it, is it your cousin? Engaging, okay, yeah, great, but could be, uh, yeah, could be really interesting. <laughs> Who knows? He sells vacuum cleaners. <laughs> you know, uh, and then you can start. To, is your is your message resonating? You know, absolutely with the, right with your audience. Yeah, and then LinkedIn is a fantastic platform that we're looking at when looking at host traffic tech groups. They do a lot in the B two B space. And LinkedIn is one of those key key channels that people will use. And then all of those analytics are readily available. They're freely available, um, and I always encourage. And business owners to really look at those analytics. What is working well? What are some of the posts that are doing not so well when it comes to reach? How many new followers did you gain as a result of a particular post that you put out there? And then just make one little deviation from that is that followers are not everything. Um, and especially when we're looking at B2B, I'd rather you have the right followers and you only have a few than you have countless followers on that, you know, that you're just, you know, putting content out to that really doesn't resonate with them or they'll never end up being converted into a buyer of your product or service. Quality over quantity. 
hundred percent. All right. I'm going to move on to the second question here. What are some of the common pitfalls or failures you have witnessed that business owners should look to avoid when scaling? I would say, you know, don't call them failures. It's really is a learning opportunity. Um, so I've got a few um, that I've kind of collected over the, over the last couple of years. I think the first and foremost um, kind of pitfall that I see is that people dip in and out of communication. So going back to my earlier um, kind of answer on what is your, you know, one recommendation is that sustained effort and considering comes early. Don't dip in and out. I, if you, once you open you know, communications channels, make sure that you're consistent, that you're regular. And if that regularity is once a month, stick to the once a month. If you're committing to once or twice a week, stick to once or twice a week. But what don't do is you know, go to an event. Um, you have a speaking opportunity to do five or six posts on LinkedIn um, where you say that you're at the event. And then the next time I look at your LinkedIn profile, that event was five months ago. So even if you do something just once a month, be really regular. And that dipping in and out happens, and it is not out of um, bad will. A lot of the time it's just people don't have time or they simply forget and suddenly weeks have gone by. But by doing this strategically, by putting putting some content pillars together, looking at what you want to do, setting yourself goals and the number of pieces of content you want to put out there, you will be able to stick to that as much as any other part of your marketing and communications or your even your business development strategy. Let's say dipping in and out of comms, don't create a communications hiatus. And the other reason I say that is that your online presence is really your on-brand reputation. It's your online business cards. If you need someone, you're sending out a proposal, they're going to look you up. They're going to go to your LinkedIn profile. They're going to go to your website. um, They're going to go to your LinkedIn page for your organization. And if they see that that last post was made three, four months ago, what does that really say? Is it either it could be, you know, a hint on professionalism, but it might be that even after COVID, I've seen that people say, oh, they must have gone out of business. But if something was from a week ago or even two weeks ago, that's okay. Um, so we're not saying you have to go on there seven days a week, but just be regular and don't dip in and out. Try to avoid that as much as you possibly can. You and I had a talk a few weeks ago about yep. a pitfall that I experienced. <laughs> and I've been doing this a while. And I had told you, I'd never historically been super strong on PR because I, I've been burned not just not getting a return. And I was part of a startup that had no strong releases, no strong communications. I think the marketing was very solid. I think the activity within the company was solid. And a competitor got one of the big hotel chains, put put a press release out, and it was everywhere. And then I'm telling you, a few days later, we would get leads in the website and I, I would always ask them, how'd you hear about us? Oh, well, I, I saw a competitor XYZ is, is doing business with, you know, whomever. And so I'm, I'm checking out, you know, I'm checking out everybody, you know. And I was just like dumbfounded. It's like six or seven, eight days of the same communication. And I'm like, oh, my God. What do you think? <laughs> no, and it's, it's, it's common. It's very, very common. Um, and I think the other side to that is that people might feel that their news or what they have to say is not important enough or it might not carry enough weight yet or maybe they feel that they're too early stage. That's something I get a lot. Or too early stage startup. So you're never, you're never really too early to put yourself out there. If you're looking for even you know, um, uh, an angel investor or a little, a little bit of funding to get you going, then even just some PR on you as a person, you as a founder, it's going to be really critical. And that could be, again, it's a quality over quantity. It might be that one press release. It might be that one piece of thought leadership content on a topic that you're super passionate about or that really links well with what you're offering. 
um, it can go a really, really long way. But it is it is about engaging a professional to know where to place it. It's it's hard to do this on your own unless you're using just your own channels and your own channels like um, your website, for example, or a blog a blog that you might have or or channels like social media. But if you want to go a little bit further, um, yeah, it might be worthwhile, you know, engaging someone to help you to help you get that out there, especially for the big ones. Yes. You get a big win. Yeah. You probably ought to engage somebody like Ann and say, look, I got a big one here. What do I do with it? Yeah. And then, and don't be shy. I think especially right when we're looking at hospitality tech companies, for example, there is, there is all, I always see power for joint PR and communication. So if you did manage to tie up with that big hotel chain or, or, you know, that cruise organization, um, ask for permission. Is there a way that we could do something together? If the customer is happy, let's see if there's jointly something we can put out there and not necessarily a commercial endorsement type press release, but more about what, how has the deployment of this particular technology really helped that organization achieve their goals? That's valuable content. Um, but that, that is all about just investing the time and in fostering that relationship with that, with that hotel group or that, that particular client that you have and see if they're willing and able to do something with you. And that way you might be able to use their PR resources or not useful the, the wrong word here but you know you, you're going to join up and see whether you could do something together that that's that's a win-win for everyone well i've seen it that a lot of startups and scale-ups they'll get a partnership with a much larger client whether it's public or not and they want to do a joint press release and it gets held up by the larger company's pr entity yeah do you have any tips for getting to the front of the line in those sorts of situations there's a couple of things that you can do. And of course, there are, you know, everyone has their own policies and procedures around commercial endorsement and doing joint PRs and that's, you know, in, in, and leave that in its, in its value. Um, and when I, you know, in my background of being in-house at a hotel group, we had a lot of those approaches and we would be very selective as to who we would work with. I think what's really important is that you try not to be too commercial about it. So don't try and kind of, yeah, you kind of get used, use the word use. And that story to really get your name out and see if you can get other hotel groups, for example, to, to, to buy into your technology simply because you want to kind of do that on the back of a successful story with a client. But if you do something like more of a case study or something that's a bit more data-led or maybe research-led um, that you've done for the customer, that might be something that could really be a way in um, to say, well, maybe we could you know, add some value to your audiences as well. And there's, there's some value in it for them too. And then um, the other side of it, and I've done that quite successfully with, with tech vendors in the past, is do the work. So don't rely on them. Let's see, you know, put an outline together and say, we're thinking of a story, but you know, these and these aspects. And then the time you get introduced to the PR person on the other side, they know that you're serious. You're not just asking for permission to use their logo or their permission to use an, an image or, or, or you know, the fact that, they, that you have worked with them. Um, but you've really thought out what it is that you want to say, what, is this, what are some of the strategic elements. And to a PR person having sat, sat on both sides of the table, that is really valuable. So put, put in some of that work, dedicate some time to maybe drafting it and you know, doing a draft or putting an outline together would be my, you know, kind of my tips. And that relationship, don't ask at the end. I think a lot of the time when you're, when you're especially in your first clients, it's really build a good relationship, maybe, you know, just kind of put some discovery conversations around this early on and say, hey, what about if we were to do a case study in, in a year's time after we've successfully deployed this? Would this be something that you're interested in? I'm not saying that you're trying to lock it in that way, but more just having that kind of open conversation, I think is useful too. Very good points. I'm going to dive into the third question here. I would have had more. I have more pitfalls. <laughs> uh, and yeah. what do you see as the key opportunities and challenges for hospitality companies in 2023 and beyond? 
I think it will have to be AI. Um, I really want to understand something that my comps had on is how will AI impact the way we market, the way we publicize, the way we position our business, the way we add value to our wider audience. Um, that is something that you know hasn't been done before. It's happening as we speak, but that is definitely one to watch. Um, I think we're also, as a result of AI, I think we're going to see a bit of a content revolution. If we're thinking about how difficult it is to cut through the clutter today with all and everything that's been written today, all the blocks that are out there in the social media posts and the feeds on all social media channels, it's nothing until you know AI starts developing that content on its own. And that's and then it then it becomes really important about how are we going to use the tools strategically? What can we do to really stand out from the crowd and maybe cut through that clutter even further? So the the, the more strategic we are, and that I think is something that yeah, at least for now can do. Uh, it will, I'm sure, um, over, over time. But for now, if we're, if we're being smart about it, we're staying kind of very concentrated on adding value and kind of putting whatever our personal um, recommendations, our personal insights, and, and really um, kind of relating that back to what's happening in the industry. That's where I really feel that we could do that. Even using AI tools. Um, so I'd say that's probably the number one challenge or you know, it's actually a challenge and an opportunity. If you do this well, it'd be an opportunity. If you don't do it, I think you're going to be, you know, you'd be, be left behind um, pretty quickly. And I think the other side to this is really consider communications for the new ways of working, whether that's the gig economy, whether that's remote work, whether that is working globally as opposed to nationally. Um, a lot of, you know, hospitals tech companies are going to go global, you know, probably before they're even that big. Um, but how do you really use communications to foster the right culture? How do you make remote work work? How do you effectively communicate cross-cultural? Um, so I think that is another challenge and an opportunity that, that businesses see because that the world has become smaller that way. But have we done enough from a communications perspective to really make that happen this year and you know for the years to come? I think you're dead on on AI. It's going to be in marketing uh, job descriptions. Yeah. And especially if you think about startups or you think about small companies, let's say you're $10 million a year and your marketing department's two people. Well, what can two people get done? You know, so there's going to be an explosion of very average communications. Yeah. <laughs> like we've actually been dealing with that. And so it is going to get worse. Yeah. But there are going to be those who rise above the top because they've figured out how to be different. Yeah. And this is, this is where I think small marketing and communications organizations, departments could leverage someone who understands how to communicate super effectively, focusing on your different, focusing on what is the most important thing for your audience. And a lot of times a two-person marketing department can't do that. Or they're so busy with the day-to-day, you, you just, you got to have some outside input. And I think it's wise for, for marketing communications people to be playing with AI, learning how to use it, learning how to be, just augment who you are. Yeah. And then also understand how to communicate. And if you, if you think you struggle with that, go talk to somebody or, or go work with, you know, even if it's ad hoc. Yeah. It's like, you know, hey, I, I've, I, I know I've got this big thing coming up for the, and it's, it's something that could last, you know, two months, you know, for the next eight weeks, I think we can really lean in on this, but I really need help on rising above all the noise. Yeah, and I think the side of it is like, well, content is one thing and being looking at how you can differentiate. But it's as you absolutely said, 
I think for startups and, and actually growing organizations as well, is what I, um, AI tools can you use to maybe automate some of those processes in marketing, whether that's your analytics, whether that's your reporting, um, you know, for us in PR, it will be around active media distribution, um, you know, monitoring, but also looking at sentiment tracking. There is a lot more that can be done that can be automated through effective AI tools that will make our jobs a lot easier and, and then allow us more time to focus on, you know, really making that difference and writing that really, you know, cutting edge piece of content that is really going to make a difference. So we, yeah, we have to work smart in getting that, in getting that um, as part of our job description, I guess, over the next uh, couple of months. Sooner rather can than I later. Can I tell you a secret? Please do. Can I, Always. Can I tell you a secret? I use it. I use it. <laughs> See? I have to use it. Yeah, because what it will do is synthesize uh, like a large like a, if it if it's a a conversation on a video that I've got a transcript, I can synthesize that transcript just like that. Yeah, and then the magic happens, like we've been talking about, is the editing. It's like the brain, the person has got to take that. You went from here to here really quick. Now you've got to figure out how to weave this together appropriately because it's AI is not sophisticated enough to do it eloquently enough to rise to the top. Yeah. Yep. Don't tell nobody. No, this will we'll keep this between us then. <laughs> Don't tell Adam. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's so much with this AI conversation on my end. Uh, when you talk about something like a content explosion, it really, uh, it's kind of scary because on the one hand, you can create content so easily. But on the other hand, what I'm finding is that we're we're training our customers and our, our viewers and our readers to basically ignore anything that isn't the cream of the crop, that isn't immediately engaging and very insightful. So how in this new workflow process that we're emerging into with AI would a marketing or PR team go about using AI to create content that is actually engaging and rises above this, this noise that's happening. Yeah, I think that actually touches on one of the pitfalls that I've seen is that people focus a lot on their own messaging. This is what I want to say about my product. This is what I want to say about my solution. This is how I'm different. Um, but what is far more valuable is obviously looking at the solution side that that's kind of a given in terms of your actual value proposition, but also looking at the news agenda. Um, and that's what very few organizations do effectively. And sometimes there's no time. Sometimes that expertise doesn't sit within that team um, or it's not a priority. But if you can effectively use content to maybe tune in to today's news agenda, something that happened on the news today, you could have it out on a blog, on a blog post or a social media post today. If um, you, you could offer those views to journalists, if you're, if you're able and willing and you really want to invest time and get your spokespeople available to really tune in. And if there's a new piece of regulation that comes out that is pertinent to your business, offer that view to um, someone in, in radio broadcasting or, or someone who's doing, who's doing a podcast series. Um, but you have to be timely. You have to do this this hour or maybe you know if it's not this hour then at least today or tomorrow so focus less on what you want to say but also kind of looking at what what is being talked about and where can you really add value to to a larger audience and that's that's a skill that's a skill that not everyone has but if we're talking about that content revolution and really kind of cutting through um I, I believe that that's where the focus will be and again it goes back to quality over quantity it might be that one piece of commentary that you give that will become, I hate the word viral, but you know, something that gets talked about or something that gets noticed by people that matter to your business. Um, at the end of the day, 
It's about reaching the people that matter most to you and, 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 and your business. But do that by, by yeah, seeing if there's opportunities for you to contribute to these types of issues. That's a great point because hospitality technology is so broad. I struggle with it all the time. And I know like you, both of you, I think, and, uh, and, and a handful of others that I know have such a stronger handle on context of a news, a current news story or an, an impact, if you will, an event that has an impact. And you guys seem to <laughs> understand how this particular technology fits into this new thing. And when you're, you know, let's, you know, when you're a founder and you're heads down, you know, product, 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 you gotta get, you gotta get the product right because it's, an, it, you know, it's constant. How do you lift up and look around and, and understand contextually how your solution is fitting in the current today? You know, that's tough. It is tough. And, it, and then, you know, that's where sometimes, you know, engaging someone that can do that for you helps. But at the same time, I'd say don't over-rely on, um, on external providers as well. At the end of the day, communications is in my opinion. I'm not talking myself out of a job here because I really believe this. Um, is that you need to start building up communications capacity in-house. Um, and whether that is for someone that does it maybe a tenth of their time, if it's written in their job description for, you know, a day every month, it doesn't matter. But if you do that early and start really, you know, whether that's training, whether that's education, whether that's, you know, mentoring or coaching, um, it's built that capacity in-house because the closer you are to the business, an agency will never be able to be on that same level unless they're literally working side by side in the office, which, you know, let's be honest, is, is pretty rare. You can build that capacity by getting the help from an expert, but also looking at are there any talent, you know, people within your own team um, that could get a handle on that? Maybe that's, you know, using one of those AI monitoring tools and looking at sentiment on, out on social media. You will have plenty of young people that are coming into the workforce that besides great, you know, technical capabilities will have that um, intuition. And if they can see that back and someone else is a great writer or happens to be you know, great with visuals, there's a lot that you can do in-house that you might not consider as actual you know, professional skills, but that's, that's what's happening now. A lot of people have those, have those skills, but, you know, combining them and then maybe getting some help um, from an expert on um, kind of what that strategy should be. I mean, you can come a long way sourcing, sourcing that in-house and, and developing it over time. We've covered so much ground already. We almost don't really need the fourth question, but, and here it is. What are the key things innovative leaders and entrepreneurs should prioritize and focus on to gain traction for their business? I think the number one point of focus should be develop your story and own your story. So write your narratives, really spend time on what it means. And it's not just your, not just your elevator pits, not just your investor, like not just your tagline. It really is your, your, the overall narrative of your organization. And then you need to own it and share it with everyone else in your team. And as you grow, that narrative needs to be shared with those internally as well. So that everyone can, can tell that story effectively. So that, I think, is the, the, the number one. And then the number two, I'd say, as we become more global and people are considering different markets, really tailor your communications to whom you're speaking with. If you're in, you know, national in North America and you're looking to branch out, Make sure you consider someone, whether that's Europe or when it's Asia, or when it's the Middle East, where I'm based, is looking at market-specific factors for communications, nuances that are important to your audiences, different channels that you might need, need to use. Um, and so changing your narrative, it, that means not changing your story, 
but adapting it for the market that you're that you're communicating in is really critical if you're looking to grow beyond your national borders. Well, what what might that be, Anne? I talk with people in Europe who want to come to the states, and I kind of understand. Well, yeah, I mean, I kind of understand that move. You know, you talk to people in the states, you know, who want to go down into uh, Latin America, for example, which that hotel environment, for example, is is kind of different it's than. You know, it's, it's just different ownership down there than it is in the States, than it is in Canada, than it is in Europe. Like, I mean, just a couple examples or one. I think one is actually in your, in your question already. The landscape is different. So the whole you will be selling to will be different. Um, so that means your audience, like it's your whole language. Yeah, but it's, well, it's part of it's your audience segmentation. Like who are you actually in the reach? Are decision makers the same? Um, you know, are they at the same level? Uh, States versus Europe. And it could be other um, point to consider is absolutely language. Europe is not one market. And that's not just because of geographical borders, but that's languages, but it's also culture. The way you communicate in Northern Europe or in Holland, where I'm from, which is a very, very direct business culture, is very different from you looking at again, the Mediterranean countries where, you know, relationships are just, and just the way business is done is very different. And that should be reflected in your communications. If you then go to the Middle East, it's the, you know, that there are nuances there too. So yeah, partly language, partly culture of doing business, but I think very importantly is actually mapping your landscape. In some organ, um, geographies, like a sales-first um, approach might work, whilst in other markets, I'd say maybe a marketing or comms-led approach will be, you will be better off doing it that way. Um, but it's very market-specific, and depending on where you are in your, in your maturity, it's super, super important and often overlooked. I get a lot of people wanting to come into the Middle East, and I'd see, you know, a lot of content that just doesn't resonate here. And I tell people, you need to localize. And I don't mean translating things into Arabic. That's language is one side. But it really is localizing the story. If we're going out here, for example, with a press release um, that only has North American or European or any other market for that matter, um, data points, you know, we're going to question the relevance here. So is there any way that you could localize this for, for relevance in this market? Is the research you know, the same when we're looking at, you know, specific audiences? That sort of localization is, is important too, or we're looking at case studies. If we're having only case study references from outside of the market, it's difficult. And that, I think that relates to any market, not just the Middle East. Localization in a globalized world. Yeah, kind of. And I know and it's, it's almost like, like adding a complex layer to it, but really a lot of it can be done, especially people say, oh, then I have to do you know, all these different editions of my content. And it's not like that. If, we, if you have someone who creates you know, great content, let's say in the US, and you want to use it in other markets, it is about just adjusting that content or, or making firm decisions. I will have worked with organizations where I'll say, that PR is just not for this market. As a professional, that's my duty to tell people and say, that will just not work. You're not going to get the traction without. So sometimes it is repurposing. Maybe it's sometimes it's localizing a little bit. And sometimes you can take something as is. But it's just a consideration, that extra consideration that you're taking the effort to really look at, you know, getting the right message across to the right audience, the right channel. And even just looking at social media in some markets, you know, Twitter is more is is, is more widely used than in other markets. Um, you know, the, all of these little nuances are important to just map out as part of your overall kind of analysis of the market that you're communicating in. Can you use generative AI to guide that localization? I haven't tried it yet, but I'm sure you can. But I would always say do that with caution. And I think Jason, your example of that kind of it's the it's the finesse and the and again the, the, the human touches to it. So you might use a base and you might get some great knowledge out of that, out of that AI. 
but use it wisely. Make sure you double check. Make sure to talk to people in the market um, as to what it is that you're doing is is correct. Because there's you know there's a lot to lose by not doing it correctly. So I wouldn't just automatically assume that whatever you get is is going to work. Um, but use use intellect. Use use the people around you. Use the local experts in the market. Just even as a sounding board, maybe to test your messages, for example. In addition to using those um, using those tools. And. Fantastic answers, and we could have gone on for a full hour, but we're going to wrap things up here to keep things pretty short and concise for the for the listeners. So I can't thank you enough for coming on. No, thanks for having me. That was awesome. Enjoy that. I could talk to Anne all day. <laughs> Can too. <laughs> thanks for listening to the Gain Momentum podcast. To stay up to date, make sure to follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Gain Advisors, head to gainadvisors.com.